So hi everyone. Uh, if you haven't met me before or indeed seen me on screen before, my name is Scott Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I'm on the staff and the leadership team as well. A very warm welcome to you, especially if you're joining us this morning for our Thanksgivings. Wasn't it great to see all those kids on the screen at the same time? Quite a juggling act for many, I know, and well done to Sarah and the team for making all of that happen. Just fantastic. You never know, in 10 years time, maybe they'll be looking back on this and saying, this was our opportunity to be on television. We've had our moment on the TV. Um, but for now, we just get to celebrate and thank God for these young ones that he's brought into the world. Now I'm going to be speaking now for a short while, while and I'm going to be continuing the journey that we've been on as a church, looking at the historical biography of uh, Jesus written by a doctor called Luke. And this week we're joining Jesus on the road as he makes his way towards Jerusalem uh, for the final time. And we're going to be, meet him in Jericho where he meets a couple of interesting characters and Luke tells us about those encounters. Now, there's a great lady in the church called Vanessa Chetia. She's going to read those to us from the Bible. And then we're going to come back. We're going to see what God wants to say to us and learn a little bit more about Jesus. So over to you, Vanessa. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd go, going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and following him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, and on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He had gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you, Vanessa. Always great to hear your voice. Now, these are two powerful stories, right? And they occur in and around Jericho. In our Bibles that we have now, uh, they're separated by chapters. One's in chapter 18, one's in chapter 19. They've got different headings above them, but, but they were written together and Luke had a reason for writing them together. As someone researching the life of Jesus in order to tell his uh, friend, good friend Theophilus all about Jesus, he probably went down to Jericho. He would have interviewed some people who had been there that day when Jesus passed through. He may even met the blind beggar, Bartimaeus he's known as. We know that from the account of Matthew. Or Zacchaeus, 
And, and he wants us to see that something about Jesus as we look at these two accounts side by side. And before we unpack the stories, I just want to take a couple of notes of interest around the expectations that a community may have had in the Middle East when welcoming a prominent person, an important person into their town or village. The first of those is this. The town would have gone out to meet the important person. They would have gone out en masse. There would have been a lot of them. A crowd would have gone out. They would have known this person was coming. They could have, they've been known to travel up to 10 miles in order to greet the prominent person. The second thing to note on this is that the, the town elders would have chosen the hospitality for the guest. So the distinguished person comes in and he doesn't, that person doesn't then get to choose who they're looked after. No, they're taken to a certain place, a certain home. Uh, to receive the hospitality from a place that is kind of in line with their standing. In this case, the prominent rabbi, Jesus, is coming into town. They would have no doubt had a big banquet prepared for him, uh, a place for him to lay down his head. They're anticipating him staying overnight. That would have bring honour to the town. And one last thing to note from these stories uh, as a way of context is uh, the fact that Luke says that Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. This is actually quite significant. Why? Because by law, sycamore trees could not be planted in towns. They had to be at least 75 feet away from the town. So when it says Zacchaeus went on ahead and climbed a tree, it's because Jesus has passed through Jericho and he's on his way to Jerusalem when he sees him up a tree. So with that context in mind and set, let's look at these two stories. And to do that, I want to look at four things that connect both characters. Firstly, they were both outcasts of their community, outcasts of Jericho. We've got a blind beggar and we've got a chief tax collector. One poor, one rich, but both despised and marginalised by the community. If someone is coming to town, these are the people that you're embarrassed by. They're the people that you don't want others to see. You don't want the important people to see. Think about the Olympics for a moment. You know, Olympic cities know that the eyes of the world are upon them. So when it comes to them transforming their city, they want to see their city to be seen in the best light. So think about East London in 2012 when we prepared for the Olympics. It was transformed into this high-tech transport hub and all the signs of the derelict buildings and the abandoned cars of that area, all the, the signs of, of, of lack of investment and nurture for generations were, were completely wiped away, they were eradicated. We didn't want the world to see the underbelly of London life. So too in Rio, as favelas were demolished around the Olympic parks and sites and thousands of people were displaced from their homes in the name of sport. We don't want you to see this side. So too for our friends in Jericho. The crowds wouldn't have wanted Jesus to see Bartimaeus, our blind beggar. They've, they've seen him on the way out. They see him all the time. They know who he is. They've, they've ignored him. And then on the way back, they think, oh no, we've got to block him out. He's still there. We've got to block him out. The crowd's kind of like, Jesus comes past. Block out the beg. We don't want him to see him. What about Zacchaeus? 
We're told that Zacchaeus is a short man, so he would need to be at the front of a crowd, wouldn't he, if he's going to see Jesus passing through. But because he's short and because he's standing within the town, they, they block him out. We don't want you to see Zacchaeus. They keep him as far away from Jesus as possible. He doesn't represent sunny Jericho, holiday destination of the rich and the famous of Jerusalem. Let's keep him at bay. These two people are outcasts of the community. And it's been decided that they don't deserve to meet Jesus. I'm so delighted that Jesus doesn't see it this way. Why? Because ultimately, we are all outcasts. Since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, every man and woman ever born, every man and woman ever born, have been outcasts of heaven stopped from participating in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through a decision made by a man and a woman to go man's way and not God's way. And outcasts, they, they live a life away from where the center is, don't they? Where the acceptance is, where you know some sort of significance and you're recognized and given success, for sure. Outcasts can live lives that are engaging or even plentiful, but we'll always have that feeling that they're missing something. Something's not quite right. Why? Because even the best that life has to offer is nothing compared to the life of living in the community and nothing compared to the life of living in the community of God. Things like global pandemics will rock us because our bodies are frail. Things like depression, will affect us because our minds are frail. Tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes will happen because the world is frail. Friends, let's not kid ourselves. We are all outcasts living in a world that is far from perfect. And all the time we look for someone to blame for that. Our sin other people's sin, our rebellion against God, our, our non-acknowledgement of God, even of saying God is dead, crowds us out from him. It, it points, us, points at us and, and keeps us away from him, just as the crowds kept uh, Jesus away from Bartimaeus, or Bartimaeus away from Jesus, Zacchaeus away from Jesus. We too, as Christians, can be those who can pe keep people away from Jesus because we don't think they deserve to know him. So what do we do? What do our outcasts do? Well, when they hear Jesus is around, they do something. They do something. See, Bartimaeus, he hears that Jesus is close, so he calls out, Jesus, son of mercy, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the crowd, they try and quieten him down. They effectively tell him to shut up. But he cries out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He might not be able to see. And others may be crowding him out, but it's not going to stop him crying out at the top of his voice for Jesus to stop. He is expressing great trust in Jesus. I don't know why. Maybe he's heard the miracles. Maybe the Spirit of God has revealed something to him. But whatever it is, he cries out to Jesus and he gives him a messianic title. A title that was reserved for the chosen one of God. 
You see, the crowd call him Jesus of Nazareth. They point to where he has come from, the person that he is, the man that he is. Bartimaeus knows him as God, son of David, the one who will come and sit on the seat of the throne of David. He knows that what he needs comes from Jesus. What about Zacchaeus? Well, he hears that it's Jesus and he comes seeking to see who Jesus was. So the uh, story tells us. Like Bartimaeus, he too is crowded out. But unlike Bartimaeus, he doesn't trust Jesus to be his saviour. He just wants to see who this man is. It would seem that Jesus's reputation has even got to the rich tax collecting outcast of Jericho. And he does two outrageous things. He runs and climbs a tree. Running was not something that grown men did, particularly rich, well-to-do men. And they certainly didn't climb trees, but he wants to see who Jesus is. He is willing to do what it takes to catch a glimpse of this man who is doing and saying incredible things. Are we willing to do something when we hear Jesus is close by? Are we willing to do something when we hear Jesus is close to us? And we're gonna come back to that question at the end. The third thing I wanna just point out of this is that Jesus responds, Jesus responds. In both of these situations, Jesus goes against the crowd. In fact, we see that the crowd ends up being angry with him. You can imagine the scene as they come in into, Jer uh, into Jericho and um, you've got uh, the elders bringing him in probably and they're talking to Jesus. So, oh, so sorry for all that shouting that's going on. He's, he's the blind beggar. We, we thought we had moved on. We'll, we'll be past him soon. We were hoping that you wouldn't see him. We were hoping you wouldn't see him. But Jesus speaks to the crowd and he commands them to bring the shouting beggar to him. As they watch on, he gives the blind beggar honor and dignity. How? By speaking to him and by listening to him. Listening to, actually he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And he listens to what Bartimaeus wants him to do for him. He doesn't assume being able to see is what Bartimaeus wants. The saviour doesn't have a saviour complex. He waits to be told. Jesus then speaks a word and Bartimaeus sees again. And the first face he sees is the face of Jesus. And Jesus responds in a way that the people of Jericho are uncomfortable with. They didn't want them to see the blind beggar, but boy, are they delighted with the miracle. So they praise God and they move into the town. And as they move into the, the town, they, they think Jesus is, is going to hang around. Do you remember what I said at the beginning? But then they find out, no, he's just going to pass through. He keeps walking. No, I can imagine that they're pretty much put out by this, but at least they can understand you know, Jesus has got somewhere to be. He's on a journey. At least he passed through our town. Brilliant. He walks out of the city and he approaches the sycamore tree. That's at least 75 feet away from the city. And then comes the big bombshell. See, Zacchaeus, as we know, he's run ahead. He's climbed the tree. 
And as Jesus gets to the tree, he looks up and he spots Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down now. I've got to come and stay at your house. Imagine the crowd hearing this. Hang on, hang on a minute. Jesus, I, th I thought we thought you were just passing through. We, we had some stuff worked out for you. We had an itinerary created. We, we had stuff that you, you were going to do with us. And, and we had places for you to eat and a place for you to stay. When I go to Croatia, I've got the great privilege of, of supporting a couple of churches in Croatia. When I go there, the team there have often got my itinerary sorted out for me. I know where I'm going to eat, I know the people I'm going to meet, because they've got it kind of worked out and we go to different places here and there. And I feel very honoured by that. I don't have to think about those things. They do that for me. And this is what Jericho wanted to do for Jesus. They wanted to honour Jesus in this way. But Jesus says, no, actually, I'm not going to pass through. I'm going to go and receive hospitality from the chief tax collector who has cheated money out of the people of Jericho. I'm gonna stay with the enemy within. And the crowd hate this and they're angry. And I can understand why. But you see, Jesus doesn't do things as we expect him to. He's gonna do surprising things and he will bring about his kingdom purposes through those things and through the people that he chooses to sit alongside and come alongside. Jesus will bring honour to the oppressed and he will offer the hand of peace to the oppressor. There is hope for everyone in Jesus. I find this amazing. And this is Jesus and Luke wants us to see his grace and his mercy at work for the poorest and for the richest. Lastly, I want us to see that when Jesus responds, we are left with transformed people. We are told that Bartimaeus sees and praises God and he follows Jesus. Bartimaeus' life has been radically transformed by this action. He, he now becomes someone who can take his place in the synagogue. He's someone who can now go and earn a living. Someone who is no longer an outcast, but someone who can be welcomed back into the fold. As for Zacchaeus, we see his transformation is instant. From being someone who took advantage of his own people as a tax collector, he says, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. And for those that I, I've ripped off, for those that I have defrauded, I'm going to give fourfold back to them. Now, these are grand words, and it's, and it's quite a lot of rhetoric. I'm going to do these amazing things. It might be that he couldn't even afford to pay back that much, but what he's saying is, my heart has changed. I am transformed. I'm no longer selfish and money-grabbing, but others-focused, and I'm repentant of my crimes. I want to make restitution. I want to make things right. Because he met with Jesus, and he looked into the eyes of Jesus. He responded to Jesus, and Jesus responded to him. When Jesus called me 22 years ago and I gave my life to following after him, my life was turned upside down. I was transformed in so many ways and it was all for the better. I no longer felt like an outcast, but I felt I had a place. I had acceptance and significance like I'd never known before in the family of God. 
The last sentence of our passage today sums up what Luke wants us to see in Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to find the outcasts. Outcasts who were poor, outcasts who were rich, outcasts who were educated, outcasts who were uneducated. Outcasts who came from the postcodes that nobody wants to live in and outcasts who comes from the postcodes everyone wants to live in. Outcasts from the city, outcasts from the countryside. He hears them in a crowd. He sees them in a tree. When we position ourselves to meet him, he finds us and he calls us. He responds to us and he transforms us. I want to land today by taking us back to that question. Are we willing to do something when we hear Jesus is close to us? Friends, Jesus is close to us today. He is close to us today. He is in every room that this is being broadcast into. Every, he's with you today. And firstly, I just want to speak to the people who may be thinking, I'm a bit like Bartimaeus. They're probably the ones following Jesus. And I know for us, we can sometimes feel like Bartimaeus. We, we know Jesus is the answer, but life, circumstances, relationships, work, they, they can all crowd us out from Jesus. Things can feel too hard or we can feel distant and Jesus can become a man that once we knew but we haven't seen or felt close to for some while now. Maybe it's the devil's lies whispering to you constantly, crowding Jesus out in your life. You're not good enough, pretty enough, smart enough. You hear those words, shut up. Why would Jesus want to hear from you? You are dot, 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 fill in the blank. Now is the time to cry out. Recognize Jesus again for who he is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. High King of heaven, Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the promised Messiah, our risen Messiah, have mercy on me. I need you. What is life without you? Cry out to him afresh today. If you want someone to be with you as you do that, someone to stand with you as you call out to him, someone to pray with you, you can click on the kind of prayer button, request for prayer button just under here, under the screen, and we'll get someone connected up with you. If we were in the room, if we were meeting face to face and there were people in the bleachers where we meet at Reading Girls School, I'd be saying to you, put your hand up, come forward, receive prayer, have someone stand with you, and I know ones would come out. Please don't let the text stop you from responding to God in this moment. Press the button if you want someone to stand with you now. Maybe you're more like Zacchaeus. You're not yet following Jesus, but you've been climbing the tree recently. COVID has forced you to rethink some things. Maybe you've got Christian friends or family and they've been talking about Jesus before and talking about him again recently. And now you find yourself looking in. You wanna see who this Jesus is. Maybe you've done an alpha course. Maybe you're on an alpha course. Maybe you're thinking about doing a course that helps you find a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe you don't know any of that. You just wanna find him and you find yourself up the tree. 
I want to speak to you and I say, Jesus is calling you down today. He wants to come and stay at your house, not just for tonight, but for a lifetime, if you'll receive him. He no longer wants you to know outcast status. He wants to call you friend, sister, brother. He wants you to join his family. How will you respond? Will you stay up the tree, just observing? Or will you come down and let meeting Jesus and his love transform you as a person? And if you want to come down that tree right now, then why don't you also press on the button below here? I'm going to be in that room. Love to connect with you. But for now, I'm just going to pray. Maybe think, are you a Bartimaeus? Do you need to press the button? Are you a Zacchaeus? Do you need to come down the tree? Press the button. For the rest, I just want to pray. So Father, I want to thank you for this morning that we can gather together. I want to thank you for these thanksgivings and the life that you've brought in. But I know you've got life in abundance for all of us. I thank you that you uh, don't do what we expect you to do. I want to thank you that the ones we, the ones that are kind of hidden and out of sight are the ones that you see, that you hear our calls and you hear our cries and you, you spot us up trees as we're hiding and you call us down. And I pray wherever we find ourselves this morning, in every household today, I pray that the, that the love of Jesus would be known. Help us to respond to this message this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.